Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Thank you for uh, the weather. We're glad you broke the heat wave before we arrived. Trust me, that I'm. we pray for this church. This is my favorite church. I love... Yeah, it really is. And I think that we're tribal. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 that Paul said, I, make, I pray unto the Father in heaven of both the families in heaven and earth. And I have a feeling that God, as he set the tribes of Israel in place, he sets families in place, and we find each other in the earth. So we look around, you probably know more about God in the spirit and connect to each other from that position than you might have in common in life and what your business or your, your, your occupation is. Some people gather around like occupations, and then there's some people that gather around like pursuits of God. And this is a church of pursuit. I remember, gosh, about five, six months ago, the Lord mentioned to me, just in tenderness, he said, you know, most, most of my children desire to have me in their life so I can bless them. And I love doing that. Then some want to be in my life. And I transform them. And that's, the, uh, that's who you are. That's definitely who you are. We've had a terrific time. And I think it was Patrice was sharing last night. We kind of had dinner together, debrief. And she's saying, it really is. You, you do not see the kind of love and, and community and genuineness anywhere. And even in our, we are becoming family. We, we said last year together, we're a tribe. We're just a tribe. And we happen, some of us live in the UK and some of us live in the United States. But we're a tribe. When we meet together, whether it's here or there, we're one. So... Uh, the worship, take a note, all of you worshipers t- today, and just somewhere connect, the, record the song titles that you sang because you'll want to remember them, not to sing. You can sing them many times. There's awesome songs. But I want you to take a moment and look at the prayer you just prayed and the dedication you just made. It'll help you. I got a single word when I asked the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, what do, you, what do you want me to say? What's your word? And he said, delight. And he began to express his delight over you. That he delights in who you are in your pursuit of him. That he delights in this uncommon wealth found on the earth. Of those who have sought the things of God, the precious things of the Lord. And he delights in that. He also spoke to me about your delight in him, that you make that a part of your pursuit and you can enjoy it. He spoke of some of the weariness and the tiredness and some of the, the challenges and that he, he really wanted to encourage everyone to the wealth that you possess. Most of the time when we lose our place or get discouraged in our journey, it's because we lose the value of what we went seeking. And we, we get overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. They start to tell us who we are. We start comparing ourselves with others. We start to wonder why we aren't where they are. 
And next thing you know, we lose the precious. We, we lay it down. We throw our mantle. We don't value what we were given. So I'd like to read a couple of scriptures and kind of share a story the Lord showed me. And it starts in number four. And I'd like you just as CCF, take a moment and consider this. There was one tribe called the Levites, and they were set apart for a special purpose. Out of them came the high priest. Out of them came, in David's time, the Levites, because they were no longer as much a tribal movement. They were, they were temple worshipers. They were the musicians. They began to play the instruments and became the singers. The priests were the ones still blowing the trumpet of intercession. And now you had intercession and uh, worship becoming one. But listen to this. This is chapter 4 of uh, Numbers. Take a census of the sons of Gohath from among the children of Levi, by their families and by their father's house, from 30 years old above even to 50 years old, all who entered the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Gohad in the tabernacle of meeting relating to the most holy things. When you camp, prepare us to journey. Aaron and his son shall come and they shall take down the covering veil, cover the ark, the testimony with it. They shall put on it a covering of badger skins and spread over it a cloth entirely of blue and they shall insert its poles. On the table of showbread and on and on began to describe for this family. They were going to take all of the instruments of worship, pack them up, cover them up, and then they would get them ready to be carried. Now, for the sons, uh, when Aaron and his sons were finished, verse 15, covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come and carry them, but they shall not touch any of the holy things lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. Then he goes to another group of sons in verse 21, the sons of Gershon. Uh, and they, this is their service, verse 24. Verse 25, they will carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting and its coverings, the covering of badger skins that is on it and the screen for the doors and the tabernacle of meetings and so on, all of the place of meeting. Then in verse 25, the sons of Mariah, who shall number them, and they will come. They, theirs is their duty. They'll carry all their service of meeting the boards for the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, the pillars around the court with their sockets, pegs, and cords with all their furnishings and their service, and you shall assign to each man by name the items he must carry. This is the service of the family of the sons of Mariah, 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 Mariah. By now, you're probably thinking, that sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? What do we pack up? Who's carrying what? Who's got to put what in whose car? Who's going to move? Now, why in the world would that have to be necessary? Numbers uh, chapter uh, 9. <clears throat> Imagine this, and now you, you know, it's kind of exciting that you get to touch these things that are so special to God and part of what he's, you know, accommodating his presence on the earth. You're actually the key people to allow God to dwell in the midst of a nation. Without you, you can't, God can't dwell in the nation without destroying the nation. 
you, you are the filter both for God to live among an unclean people and to bring about God's blessing into his life. The Levites had a, a, a sacred position because they kept God happy. They kept him happy. They ministered the blood of, so that the sacrifice of sin would be resolved. That's Jesus now. And they would bring the praise so that there would be a way opened. And, and so that was their job. And when you're in the function of it, we all love it, right? One, two songs into a Sunday morning and we're like, oh yeah, I remember why I'm doing that. And then we're seeing, and, and if you notice, all the songs you sang today were songs of dedication and consecration. You just reconsecrated yourself over and over again. Let me never forget, I've made a vow, I'm going to turn, and remind me when I'm not a slave, don't let me. You just, you sang it. That's why I'm saying, go look at your song list and you'll see how prophetic you are. Uh, the minstrels and, and those called into in the spirit of ministry will always sing their assignment. Do you understand? We're not singing, go out in the streets, get the unsaved, bring them in and make them get saved whether they want to or not. Because you were ministering to Jesus and ministering to yourselves in your ministry to Jesus. Because we have to always encourage ourselves in the Lord or we lose ourselves. We lose our purpose. We lose our destiny. We lose our identity. So here's the deal. It's all good when it's working. I mean, those moments, you know, a moment in God can ruin your life. You probably all have had a moment in God, right? Where God came, swept you up in his love, carried you into his embrace. You said, oh, my prince is here. I give you my life. I'll give you my future. Whatever you ever want, you have it now. And he just goes, I know. I'm taking it. It's mine. And then later, you're walking these stuff out. You're packing up the sound system the instruments, the cutting up all the cords and sockets. And that's still pretty good because there's an afterglow. But come Saturday night, the next week, and you're packing it up, and you're thinking, oh, God, which... And then you... And everybody, this word is for every single person in Commonwealth Church here, present or not, because you are tribally a people that are establishing God's presence in the U.K., making a place for the presence of God to rest in a deep, deep way that can shift the heart of God because he looks for those who will minister to him his son and his sacrifice. So everybody, like, where are we next week? That's, that's you know, what a bummer. If we just knew where we always were, trust me, that can get real boring quick. Then you have to surprise people with something different. Here's, here's the deal. This was, this was going to go for 40 years. I'm not prophesying 40 more years, all right? But what, if you want to know where I'm going to go with this, is God is going to call, call each of us to celebrate what we have and no more com- mourn what we don't have, the loss of. If only we could. Because victory is in, within us, not outside of us. The, 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 goal, the, 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 the answer to all prayers is, re, uh, is re, abiding inside of you this, because he answers every prayer according to the power that works within us. So we have to live in victory before we see it change outside. That's the beautiful thing. So he says now, this is on verse 15, chapter 9, verse 15. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, 
The cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of, me, of the testimony, from evening until morning. It was above the tabernacle, like the appearance of fire, cloud by day, fire by night. I think we sang that one too, didn't we? Oh, you guys should have should have chose other songs. Like, make me rich, Lord, just make me rich, Lord, just make me rich, Lord, just make me rich, 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 oh, make me rich, Lord, just make me rich, Lord, let me have my home on the sea. But that wouldn't, <laughs> it's not a California doctrine, it's humanity, it's the flesh, it's what we all want, unless something has captured our spirit and created greater value, you have to understand God will not take you from value that you carry to lesser value in your pursuit. You are called to a higher value. You've seen something others have not seen. You have desired something others have not yet seen valuable. He is more valuable. Oh, get this. Before we get into the, the, the funniness about it. Oh, would you like to be a Levite? You know, um, oh, by the way, uh, you guys, I appreciate all your work. But the other, the other good news, I've got other good news. You don't get an inheritance. You don't get to have your own property and your own stuff, you know, because I got something even better than that for you. Me. And you imagine, you know, you're just kind of going, okay, what does me mean? Me. <laughs> like, like Rod does. <laughs> me. <laughs> I've seen it. I've actually seen it. <laughs> when Abraham met Melchizedek after the slaughter of the kings, and he came into a revelation of God Most High, possessor, possessor of heaven and earth, and then gave him a tenth of everything. Then he met King Sodom, who represents the world system and all of the things that are of the world. And said to Sodom, no, thank you. I will not take your means of prosperity, lest you say, you made me rich. God's going to make me rich. Sodom didn't like that. The world never likes you saying no. They want to seduce you, control you, and keep you. So when you say no, I'm going to let God do what he promised, you place yourself as in enmity with the world. Just as if we turn to follow the world, we put ourselves in enmity with God. You can't serve two masters. So Abraham is now kind of like in a predicament. I said no to the kingdoms within the world's system that I'm living in. So God wakes him up one night or meets him in his tent and says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward. Abraham goes, good, but... I don't have a son. I do not have an heir. Da 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 da. And then God says, "Listen, you've got to come out from where you are. Get out of the tent. Look up in the sky. That dark, dark, dark sky in the desert. Look up there. Can you see those stars? And there are so many more you can see when it's dark. I, if you can count them, that's how many of your heirs you'll have." And the Bible says it. Abraham believed God, had a vision, had an experience, and he believed God. And God, the Bible says very clearly, there he imputed, put upon Abraham righteousness. And that would be, the, from that moment to today, 
is what righteousness looks like. God showing you something to which you say, yes, I believe. I woke up this morning with, its, with the sound of the last phase of the, out, of, of the miracle. The last thing you do for faith to be fulfilled. And that's found in Romans 4, where Abraham, it says, after he developed a life of presence, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that don't exist as though they did, God challenged him one year by saying, we're going into the promise, it's time, this time next year you'll have a son, you know, it won't be Ishmael, it'll be Isaac. It says he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief because of the circumstances that he was in, which had been far worse than they were when we're right now looking at. It's 13 years. We're looking right there. I'm telling you a story 13 years ahead from the one I just started. So I've got two stories going. The story of when he he meets Melchizedek, he's approximately 75 years old or so. When he meets uh, the Lord to be told, this time next year you're having the fulfillment of your promise and it's not like you, th- like you think it is and I need you to step into a new joy and a new pleasure. And Oh, that's a great name, Isaac. The 13 years is a miserable time. But Abraham is standing there and he is, he is believing God. He's shifting. He's changing all the time. He's having to make adjustments to the circumstances and not let them overwhelm him. So when he is in this moment, back 75 years old, sitting there, God meeting him, God says, I need to change your perspective. Come out and look into the sky. Can you count the stars? No. Then that's how many children you're going to have. And when he looks up and counts the stars and comes up to the conclusion that I can't, but I do believe you can, which is the same thing that he had to do now 13, 14 years later, he had to now believe that God was able to perform. The last phase of faith fulfillment is that when all it becomes is God is able. And I don't count to discount or to make it happen or because I did something it will happen or because I've done something that cannot happen. It just becomes, it's not about me, it's all about him. It's everything he said, everything he did, he will complete his promise. And that he's learning that. But he's learning it in a lot of crazy ways, right? Because he's, he's jazzed by this. Oh, oh, and by the way, he's upstairs watching this glory cloud, this star and vision outside, having an encounter, having faith, And then the Lord says, I'm going to make a covenant so that you know this is true. I will make a covenant. I will swear by myself. So he's just, God is just overextending himself. So Abraham makes the covenant. It's pretty dramatic. And God gives him a vision, 430 year vision about his seed growing up, then going to Egypt, then growing into a mighty nation, then enslaved and then delivered and not delivered empty handed. They're going to come out with the wealth of Egypt. And here's Abraham just going, whoa. Now, he comes home and he tells Sarai, honey, you're never going to believe what God's told me. We're having a kid. We are having a kid. We're going to have kids more than the stars. We're going to have wealth. We're going to, there's going to be some pilgrimage. There's going to be some shift 
where we live is not yet ready for us to occupy it, but God's promised us the entire area from the Mediterranean all the way to the Euphrates, all the way from present-day Egypt up into present-day Turkey. He's given us all of this glorious land. And Sarah's looking on I, 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 Abraham, you're a mystic. You're weird already. You're the one wandering, following a voice. But I'm, in, I'm with you. I love you. But I can't help you. So why don't we take Hagar, my maid, and see if we can help this promise get fulfilled. And so you know the story. Ishmael is conceived. And jealousy arises. Anger. And Abraham is just kind of going, dear God, I mean, seriously. Do I really want to do this stuff? And again, all of this, Ishmael went, all God wanted to do was show up to Abraham and say, Abraham, don't worry about anything, I'm your reward. Maturity, later, you learn, hey, that's all I need to know. I don't need to worry about anything, you're my reward. You will. There is extraordinary blessing. I like to hear God saying over you and me while we were worshiping is, Ask me to bless you. I'm ready to bless families, households, businesses, ministries. I want to bless you. I am your blessing. I am your reward. I am your release. But don't def- don't re- don't don't um, restrain me in the manner in which I bring blessing, because that's where you get the Ishmael moment. You force God's hand into a direction by by. By, by, by uh, strategizing, strategizing amongst ourselves versus letting God just, you know, having this place where we're just saying, God, you're able. Woo! Um, well, thank you. You're able. And every time the uh, lie that says, I can't do it, you say, nope, you're able. Every time the lie says, you, you failed, therefore you're never going to get this, nope, you're able. So you have to celebrate what we've been given in the Spirit of God, by the voice of God, and the Word of God, and not pine away at what we don't have and the delays of everything that comes into life. So, catch this. So the cloud's going to be there in the day, cloud's going to be there at night. So it was on the second, the cloud appears, and he says, verse 17, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, after the children of Israel, they would journey. So how do you learn to hear the voice of God? You follow the Spirit of God. How do you learn to follow the Spirit of God in a desert? You follow the cloud. You guys sang that today. You sang it. I'm so sorry. I wish you hadn't sung it. You recommitted yourself. You married yourself again to the Lord. That's what worship always is. Just remarrying ourselves to the one we made covenant with, who made covenant with us. So, wherever the cloud was taken up from, after that, the children of Israel would journey. And the place where the cloud settled there was the children of Israel would pitch their tents. Now remember, the Levites, they have to deconstruct the temp tabernacle and pack it up and carry it. And then wherever the cloud stops, then they have to reconstruct the tabernacle, put the instruments in, sanctify it, and begin ministry to the Lord. And they're in the center of the 12 nations. And they have to guard the nation from the presence and the presence from the nation in raw form. Because, like God said to me, most of my children want me to bless them. And I'm happy to do so. But some want to be in my life. And they I change. 
they are transformed. So we continue, and he says, at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. At the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days. According to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up from the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night. Whether the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. At the command of the Lord, they journeyed. And they kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So I can imagine about 2 o'clock in the morning, Levites are camped about. One of the, one of the watchmen notice the fire is moving. It's not right there on top of the tabernacle. It kind of starts to move east. And so Mr. Kohite goes over to Gershom, wakes him up. Gershom, Gershom. What? The fire's moving. Am I supposed to be happy? <laughs> I'm the guy who's going to get up and have to, you know, take all of these curtains and put them all in bags and travel. Oh, you sure it's moving? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not on top anymore. It's over there. See? Why at night? Why in the morning at 2 a.m.? Oh, gosh. There you are. There's life in the spirit. Today it's the same. Because it's physical inconveniences that the spirit of God sets us into motion with that later we're having to continue in the long ago we forgot we were committed to. We forget our covenant. We forget our commissioning. We forget our consecration. We forget the thing in which the Lord set us apart. We forget that love moment when we said, I do. I do. I do. And now our heart hardens because of the hardships and the difficulties and the inconveniences. We look around and we go, you know what? Everybody else has got their own building or everybody else doesn't have to hang, haul a bunch of stuff upstairs. Everybody else at least gets to know where they're going to meet. Now we don't even got our own building. We're a roving church. And we look at the deficit and we begin to lose the prize, the value, the, the intentionality of heaven, that something is supernatural in this house. This is a church of uncommon wealth. Uncommon wealth. Uncommon, not common. The common things are for man. The uncommon, the valuable things man could not touch. So there's always going to be a less Ability. God filters who he allows in. It's, a, it's an interesting con conflict. And it isn't that God doesn't enlarge what he's doing, but he always purifies it constantly. Right? When Jesus built a big group of disciples, he would preach a good message and send them off. Because you talk about eat my body, drink my blood, and they go, what? I'm not going into that stuff. I want to have more stuff, you know. 
So he would bring attrition so he could release his glory and bring people closer into this, this, the center of everything. So I can just imagine, I don't want to get up. I'm tired of always getting up. Is there a way I could not? I don't want to be a Levite anymore. I think I'm going to just be Judah. Judah, they're just lots of fun. Or I'm going to go be uh, Issachar because they always get to see what's happening. Or I think I'll just be a Daniel because they, they're allowed an anger issue and nobody seems to bother them. Uh, you know, I'm going to be an Ephraim because they're fruitful. They always just, they own everything, get everything. Uh, I think, no, I want to be a Manasseh because I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I want to forget everything. I don't want to deal with anything anymore. I just want to walk away from all of it. And so the, you think that you can kind of like move your tribe into another tribe or your identity to another place. And if you do, you find that it never fits the way it was meant to fit because you were meant to be you. You were chosen to be here before you were born. We were chosen to be together to worship right here on the other side of Buckingham Palace to decree the Lord. Now, okay, well, we've got to stay here every week. No, God doesn't need you to stay here every week. He'll move you somewhere else, right? Just because he's kind of fun. I got a whole big building that I don't even have the use of. I don't even need it all anymore, but it's just too much work to get out of a big building to go to a smaller building. It costs us too much money to undo that, to, to go... To, to, to grow, go transform a building. You had somebody else do all this work. So it's kind of funky. It's, that's, but what I saw in the spirit was, you're, you're the new, the new, one of the new models that's coming forth. We need to not look at a deficit. We need to make it the positive. We need to emphasize the uniqueness of who we are not talk about how we're different and therefore we cannot be attractive. We have to become attractive in ourself. We have to go, do you get to know what we do? We are called to minister unto the Lord and, and reach Him with worship and praise and be a community of worshipers. Whether we're carrying a socket or pole or we're leading the singing or sacrificing the animal or preaching, the word, we are a company. We are a tribe. You guys are tribal. Fierce friends and family, and yet the enemy will always work to pick us off on the outskirts. So we lose the vision. Wow, this is just getting so much work. I, my friends, they go to church on Saturday night, and they go for they get they get to church. They're out in an hour, and they seem to have as good a life as I do. In fact, their kids seem to be happier than mine. Wow. Yeah. It's the, always the church on down the street because the one you're in is the one that's calling you to have to walk through life and life is always inconvenient in God because he just seems to interrupt us because there's one thing he's doing and the only thing he's after right now is I want to train my sons to hear my voice and you only learn to hear my voice when I inconvenience you. Because my voice has to be greater than convenience or you'll let convenience be your God. And trust me, you live in London, we live in Los Angeles. Convenience is now very accessible. You can have life without living it. You can go places without going anywhere. You can go out to dinner and have someone bring it to you. You can pretty much do anything of life today without ever doing it. So God takes a people that were slaves and says, I need to spend, train you to hear my voice. I'm going to feed you without ever knowing where it came from or how it came. 
Manna, you know what the word manna means. It's Hebrew for, what's that? What is that? Is that edible? I'm not picking that up. What's that? And he had to sustain them. Sustain them. Sustain them. They never, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Now, I know he won't do that to London because you set the fashions. So he'll let you change. But he sustained them. I went down to the restroom during worship. I shouldn't tell you that, but I did. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to know that I will make some people extremely rich in this church to sustain what I'm doing in this people. I will make some people extremely rich to sustain what I am doing because what this church does for me is like no other church in all of London or the UK. I heard it. I saw it. I, I mean, the Lord said, I, I'm not here counting numbers. I'm here collecting a heart as a one voice, one sound under the banner of my son's victory and triumph, ministering to my son in heaven, be proclaiming his praises, releasing the sound of hope. And in that is, that is worth more than caring for a bunch of people. Now, do you know that in, in the journey of Israel, there were two issues. It would be the issue of we're tired of eating manna or where's the water or I haven't had meat for a long time. That was an Israeli issue. They all got tired of eating manna. They all began to dream of garlic again. Then there were the Levitical issues. Aaron and, Aaron and Miriam, first one. Moses, you know, we're... Ever since you got an encounter with God, it's me who does the talking. I hear God too. And I'm not really keen on this Ethiopian wife you picked up. And they started just talking. They're just having a you know, conversation, sorting out church business. Hmm. I wonder if God would really even want an Ethiopian woman in this church, this place. I'm just, right? And did you know what happened? God heard the conversation. It didn't even ever get into a committee or go to Moses. It just went straight up. And that pillar, you know the pillar now that's always over the tabernacle? It comes off the tabernacle, it comes down to the door, and God calls Moses says, Moses, I want to talk to you and Aaron and Miriam. So they're showing up, Miriam and Aaron, thinking, wow, God's already moving. It's the beginning of the removal of Moses and the exaltation of the Aaronic ministry. Instead, God says, Aaron, Miriam, come on up. He says, you know, I want to just talk to you about a moment. You know, there's, if, if, I wanna, if, I tell, if I pick a prophet, any prophet, I talk to them in visions, I speak to them in their dreams, I come to them in dark sayings, I give them a little inclination or a bigger inclination, but not Moses. Moses is my friend. Talk to the guy face to face. We don't have barriers. Then he says a simple thing. How could you not be afraid to talk against my friend? There's something that consecration gains us who yell, say yes to the congregation, and you sing it again. You just go back and sing your songs. Just look at those words, and that's pretty much describes your destiny, future, and consecration. And because of that, you are protected in ways others are not. So, God lifts 
back over the top of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and Miriam is white, leprous, just totally falling apart. And what is Aaron says, God, forgive us. Moses, Moses, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We didn't really mean it. We, we love your wife. She's beautiful. <laughs> Literally, he said, don't let her be like the walking dead. There are people that are walking dead. You want to hear something else the Lord said to me this morning? Not, not in this bathroom. It was the other bathroom, I think, at home, at the, hospital, at the hotel or somewhere. He said, I want you to tell my church there are more believers at home today than at churches in London. There are more broken hearts, wounded people, discouraged, disgruntled, off on projects, having fun, sleeping in, angry, trying to reduplicate, replicate whatever they think they ought to replicate and do. And it isn't that they're not my children. It's just they, they haven't been able to persevere. They've all got knocked off their assignment. They lost their place. They couldn't maintain the, the joyful intimacy. You have to, you, we, the Levitical clan, who are called to be minister to the Lord, have to find a massive training of self-encouragement in the Lord. We have to learn how to come into God and have our everything satisfied in his presence with renewed promise, in the sound of his voice, and come away full because we're not the ones that are going to get ministered to. We're the ones ministering to the Lord and releasing sound. It's powerful. The, the rebellion of Korah was, was based on, Moses, you're taking on too much stuff. We're all priests. We're all special. We're all look alike. And boom, you know the story. The earth opens, swallows them up. The, 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 those who were not accepted by the Lord burn up and the plague breaks out and it's, you know, it's, they're having to intercede to stop the problem. You have to do more work here because not only are you worshipers, you're praying people. You have a mantle of intercession. You shift the nation. I was walking in just the beginning of February, right at the end of... Um, yeah, right at the beginning of February, before I came to you guys. And our, our nation, our state had gone back into a drought. And I'm talking to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I really, I know that I, I know that, I know that I should ask you about rain. What do you want? What do you think? And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I know rain is important. I know rain, we, should, we need some rain. So he said to me, if you'll humble yourself and pray in February, I'll send rain in March. So it was like a Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday morning, first Sunday of February, I say, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if we will humble ourselves and pray for rain in February, he'll send us rain in March. So well, let's do it. So I'm learning that whatever, the worst thing that can happen and nothing happens. But on the other hand, I'm learning to accept, like I said with you, when you have a mantle of rulership, you have to rule or things don't go the way God wants them to go. So we have to ask God questions. How does Brexit go? What do you want to do in Europe? What is the shift supposed to take place in Israel? Where is heaven's next outpouring? We, we're supposed to be in, in comp, we're supposed to speak intelligently in Christ and 
globe and inside the sphere of our reign, our rule, our responsibility. And you have a big oversight in the kingdom. Trust me, you really do. And the devil, the way he will stop that is he'll make your life so small that you wish to God you weren't who you were. You'll just wish to God, why can't I be normal? Sometimes we've said, we've done it many times, can't I say, oh, dear God, why can't we be a Baptist? I'd give anything to be a Baptist right now because it's safe. And, this, and so you go in and out of that. So we prayed. We prayed. We, we, we stopped by. The whole trip that I had when we stopped in February was all about Psalm 2, about stepping into the, to the co, co-regent rulership with Christ to give him his nation's inheritance. So we're just kind of learning things. So we go through the simple humble ourselves, pray. Lord, we humble ourselves in Christ. He is sufficient for all things. He is the reason all prayers are answered. He is the means to which all things are done. He has already done everything. We worship you, Jesus. Now, Father, we humble ourselves in Christ and ask that you would send us rain. And thank you for sending us rain. March starts. It just started pouring. We had more rain in the month of March. Three quarters of all the rain that came all this last year came in that one month. One month. Did it solve the drought? Not yet. It was more of a sign for me and for our body to realize we've got to take responsibility to ask God higher, bigger questions, larger issues. You understand? We're not supposed to solve the other things that people are trying to solve. That Leave that to them. There's people assigned to take care of comfort issues. And then there's government issues that need to have this kind of like, well, okay, God, what are you doing? How do you say? And how do we shift? Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. So let me give you this, this sweet word and then I can be done. Isaiah chapter 62. I don't know if you're hearing me because I'm not preaching. I'm, teach- I'm just talking to you as a brother as a brother to brother, as a tribal member. If you will allow God to search your memory bank, your spiritual memory bank, experiential memory bank, your Christ testimony, your encounters, your song list, but go from here all the way back to when you first started to become conscious that I want to follow after God when worship became valuable, when Jesus became supreme. Just go back and just kind of look in there and look forward. You will be surprised that you are exactly who you are by responding to God's offer for you to become. You are not on the wrong... You're not going to go, Dear God, I should have been a Baptist. I was made to be a Baptist. I I was made to be a word person with a restriction on the Holy Spirit expression. I was learned of government and comfortability. I was was made to be rich. You know, you will will see that you are who you are because you've had encounters with God and said yes. It isn't because you were so dumb or so smart. You are who you are. So we just get married. Cammie and I were married, and worship is just... I just started to become a worshiper from the day I got saved. I was, in, I was influenced by one man who worshiped and another man who prayed. And they both just kind of stepped into a, a practice, a pursuit, a desperation, a need, discovery. And at one point in time, there was this pastor who had 
discovered so much about worship at that time, a man named Sam Sasser. And I went to him. He wrote a doctorate on worship, and I went to share with him. I'm just a new worship leader, youth pastor. We just got married. I said, can I? I just, I just know. And he was telling me about the seven words of praise, and he gave me his, he, he photocopied his doctorate. And I took it home, and I'm reading and pouring over it. And inside of it, there's this little portion found in Ezekiel 44, where it talks about the sons of Zadok. And the sons of Zadok were recognized by God in the new era of worship, because all, unlike the rest of the Levitical, these were Levites, but unlike the rest of the Levites, they had stayed true to their assignment, even when things didn't look like it was worth staying true to it. See, most of the, the Levites, you learn this. You learn to help people worship at the altar they like. You didn't hear me. You can go places where they'll get you an altar to worship that just fits you. Just the way your flesh wants it. Just the way your soul, ooh, yeah. Anyway, so they, as Israel went into idolatry here and idolatry there, they just accommodated them. Hey, we can help you with that altar. We can help you with this altar. We'll help you with that altar. But the, 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 the Zadok, the, the tribe of Zadok, the sons of Zadok, they just said, well, you know, it sure seems like everything's going that direction. It sure seems like everything's going this direction. That's where the crowds are going. But I'm just going to stay here because this is what I heard and this is what the word says and this is where I've been set in as assignment. And so they just stayed in the presence and tried to, try to hold that little, little place. And so when God spoke prophetically to the future of worship, he said, now all of the children of Israel that ran after Israel and served at their idols, I'll give you two jobs. One is you get to take care of people. And the other job is you get to take care of people. But the sons of Zadok, they get to come near to me and minister to me. They get to offer the fat, the worship, the blood, the intercession. They get to come and minister to me. They're the only ones. I don't want any of those guys who ran after man because if that man is better than me, then you go take care of man. So you guys get to be doorkeepers. You guys get to be... Uh, you just you're just going to help people get in, help people get out, get them a seat, get them their sacrifice done. Just, but but no no, just the sons of Zadok. And then he says, "Here's your linen. I want you to wear linen garments so that when you come near me, you don't sweat. I don't want the human flesh energy. I just want you to come and minister, draw near to my table. So I'm, what are we? Twenty three maybe 24, I don't think we even had a kid yet. I, I tell you the truth. I'm reading this, I'm weeping, I'm saying, God, I want to be a son of Zadok. So that's what I'm trying to say. You've got to remember your prayers. You've got to remember your encounters or you'll forget your future if you lose your history. I want to be a son of Zadok. Please want to be a son of and at that time, we had no kids. We're just starting, you know, we're serving. We do a little worship. It was an easy prayer. You know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Do you remember if you were old as me, you're in the 70s? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And then that wasn't enough. 
Though none go with me, still I must follow. Though none go with me, still I must follow. And then again, what we sang today, much nicer, more current. No turning back. No turning back. Yeah. You see, that's an encounter. A worship song that lifts your spirit, to which you align your will, to which you revel, you see heaven beckon you, or you like me, you just go, you know, I could give anything if I could actually become that. That's covenant. That's prayer connection. That's intercession. That's identification. That's a calling. That's an inheritance. That's something being done. And then we are engaged. But if we lose that vision, all we look at is the people aren't coming and the crowds aren't here. And everybody, it just isn't working. And God is just sitting, no, 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 no. Abraham, don't be afraid. Commonwealth, do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great and precious reward. And everyone in this room, every one of you, everyone, because you're all of this. I don't, it's not this group up here. It's this family right here. I can feel it. You worship as strong there as you do here. It's one sound. It's all of you. It's all of you. Even if it's just to figure out, where are we meeting this Sunday? Oh, it's the other side of London. Oh, dear Jesus, I always like it when we're closer to home. It's easier on the tube. Now, you know, whatever. We're all paying a price. We're all paying a price. And the price is valuable because it's about Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to say, for you, it isn't about people. It's about Jesus Christ. You have been, you've been set apart to keep God happy. To bless his heart, to bring him praise, to decree who he is, and to then to decree where nations are to go and people are to, things are to shift. So here is the promise. I hear, I hear this in my heart. God speaking. Verse 3. You also, you shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken. Nor shall your land any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hepzibah and your land Beulah. Which means my delight is in her. You're married. Remember, many more are the children of the unmarried than the children of the married. For as a young man marries a virgin, for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This, I believe, is that God is going to destroy, to take away all desolation from within to begin to demonstrate it on the outside. So he's going to take away our desolate spirit, our sense of betrayal. Where, how did this go? I've been forsaken. Nobody's ever wants me. No one even matters. Doesn't even. And also we're going to start going, whoo! 
I may change London today when I go to church because an engaged heart with the loving Father who has fulfilled all things in His Son and we get prophetic for a moment or we just act, we come into agreement with the sound that is being proclaimed and all of a sudden we're shifting the world. So praise God, do I ever have an important job? Do you see how we change things? We, 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 whoa, I am going to encounter a love relationship. My, my kinsman redeemer is going to come and talk to me about how much I'm important and how I'll never be. I'm married. I'm married. I'm going to have an engaged moment in, with my married husband. I am not one of those rabbit producers. I am a married husband, woman that's carrying promise that I can't produce, but only my, my husband can bring forth. And I am going to live in joyful anticipation of the faithfulness and the goodness of my husband to bring, for poor, bring, up, bring forward what he promised. You see, that's what we're learning. That's, we're not there yet. Because how many of us will just, you know, just one little comparison moment, you know, or one, you know, inconvenient two o'clock in the morning, here comes the cloud, there it goes, and goodbye, here we go, we got to follow. Why doesn't, nobody else has to do that. Or everybody else has a king, why do you, why don't we get a king? Just. It's when we want something so bad, God will give it to us. And then when we get it, we wish we'd never got it. Do you understand? We've all had that, right? I want it so bad. I don't care. I don't really care anymore. I want it. God says, okay. But then he sends leanness in our soul. And we, enter, we end in a season going, oh, God, this is something so much more encumbersome. I wish I didn't have to take care of this. Oh, wow, God. Can you imagine Abraham for 13 years going, Wow, I got two wives now. I had one. Now I got two wives. And they don't get along. And yeah, it's like, oh, that's why when, when God says, Okay, it's time, it's time, let's do it, he's going, his, his prayer of his mouth was, Please let Ishmael stand before you. Don't make me do this again, please. I do not want to go through this one more time. But God was saying, it's not going to be like the last time. It's going to be like the divine time. And I hear over every one of us here that there is promises, there is experiences, there is renewal, there is access, there is breakthrough. And I heard the Lord say this, and I don't know if this would be, make sense and don't let this become a limiter. But I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to bless the, in, the individual members of this house before I break forth the corporate pl pleasure I have for the place. I'm going to break open families. I'm going to bring open riches. I'm going to open businesses. I'm going to come up witty inventions. I'm going to release favor over my faithful sons and daughters who minister to me every week. Then I'll take care of whatever I would like. It wasn't when David had fulfilled the pleasure of the Lord as just a shepherd boy and a fugitive and then as a king and bringing the tabernacle and setting it up and just making it as easy as he could to worship one day he dawns on him as he's got a big old cedar house. And he goes, you know what? I'm living in a gorgeous mansion. The ark's still in the tent. And he goes, I got to go build an ark. I got to go build a house. I'm going to build a bigger house for God. He goes to, Uzziah, to Nathan the prophet. He says, this is what I'm going to do. And Nathan says, go for it. Sounds like an incredibly great, awesome idea. God wakes up. Nathan says, did you ask me? 
Well, it just sounds like the thing we ought to do. We ought, you know, you're in a tent. I mean, who wants to be in a tent? Come on, you're God. God likes tents. He chose a manger to stick his son in. He likes to find an inconvenient and inobvious place to place himself. So Nathan has to go back. Now catch this. Now I'm going to stop because this is really prophetic. I mean, I actually really hit the Lord. Nathan says, tell David he can't. And the first account that David hears, he just hears, he just hears one word. No. No reason. No explanation. It isn't until he's walked with God over the rest of his life to the time he is actually preparing the resources of the, building the temple that his son would build. Does he know why? God never tells you why. He just says no or yes. Then later the why may come. So he says, tell, tell David no. His son will do it. I'm glad he had it in his heart. Then he says, tell David this. You know, I walked through the wilderness with the rest of you. I led you for 40 years. And then I was 400 years in Shiloh. And now I'm here in Jerusalem. And I'm sitting in a box in a tent. Have I ever, have I ever said, had a prophet rise up and ever say, I need a house. I want something gorgeous and Magnificent. So I never did that. But since you had a heart for this, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Woo-hoo. Get ready. Woo-hoo. He goes to David, Nathan the prophet, bringing to David the words of God. He says, because you had it in your house, in your heart to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you the biggest, baddest house you've ever seen. I'm going to make you the biggest, baddest king you've ever been. You are going to have more people on your throne. You're going to have renown. You're going to have riches. I'm going to cause you to rise up to lead the world just because you wanted to build me a house. No, you can't build me a house. No, that isn't the initial thing. Your your son will do that. But what I'm going to do, bam. And not like this time, instead of like Abraham. Come on, come on, come on. Help me out. Don't, don't, just don't. Come on. I need some of my African people. Help me out. Come on. A little more sound, all right? Because, because, because you did that, I'm doing this. That's the same God encounter that Abraham had. Same God encounter. If you need a vision, he'll give you a vision. But it's the same. I'm here with, I'm the reward. I'm going to do it for you. But instead of Abraham going, God, that's great, but I need a son. You're, you're terrific. I really appreciate you but I don't have anything to show for myself after I go. David, you know what David did? You know the story. He goes in that little tent in his backyard where the ark is, and he sits down. Sits down, and he recounts. Read 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 the account. He recounts to God the words that he was prophesied about himself. Come on. This is the word of the Lord for Commonwealth Church. Your uncommon wealth. You must rediscover the uncommonness, the supernatural value awakened inside every life when we said, yes, I want to be a priest. I want to pursue you. I want to have this intimacy. 
So he sits there, and he re, you read the story. He recounts verbatim what Nathan said. And he said, because Nathan, you said this to me. I have now the courage to pray this. I declare it. And so then he ends the prayer by saying, oh, so, make it so, God. Make it so. You go ahead. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, what it's going to look like. I just said you said it, so do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Whoa, Jesus. Right now, the Spirit, the holy, wonderful Spirit of God who has been given to us to remind us of the things Jesus said, to guide us into all the truth, to take of Jesus, which is His, to give to us, and all that the Father has is Jesus. Therefore, the Holy Spirit brings it to us. He's moving in our hearts. He's quickening within our spirits. He's going to start reminding us songs we've sung, prayers we've prayed, words we've heard, scriptures we've underlined. There's a supernatural activation inside of every believer, every son of Levi, every son of Zadok in this house. And if you're here today, you're a son. You are a part of this house. I don't care who you are, where you are, what you've been thinking, what you've been wondering. You're in the house. And this is a set apart people that's saving the world. Saving the world by ministering to the Lord. But right now the Lord says, ask of me. Go ahead and recount to me my promises to you. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to take care of your future. I'm going to bless your businesses. I'm going to multiply your families. I'm already multiplying the sound and your voice and your love and your completeness. I'm going to go bigger and wonderful. Ask of me. What do you want? Ask of me. What have I said? Tell me what I've said. Tell me what I've said. I'm telling you, this is a holy moment. This is a, this is a reshift back into our future. This is a returning to our present pre- future. Inside of promise, inside of power, God is coming. Ask of me. Ask of me. Ask of me. He only told Jesus, ask of me. Sons get to hear him say, ask of me. And I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Whoa. 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 Go. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoa. Now listen, I just this is a moment that's going to continue for weeks. I prophesy in over the next five weeks there is going to be a continual open heaven over your house, your life. To commune with God inside of promise and words. And to continue to say, Lord, because you spoke this, I have courage to say, do it. And like Abraham, no longer do I look at my circumstances. I look at your ability. You're able to perform. And in this holy moment, this holy season of exchange, there is something shifting, something beautiful being restored, intimacy, love, delight, friendship, fun, joy. It's all because you love him. It's all because he loves you.
His goodness is coming to this house, to the households of this house in massive ways, says the Lord. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 